Good morning, Kenny Luck. This is a privilege for me to have you as my first guest. This is the the premiere beginning of Sword and Shovel officially, the first official podcast. And I asked you, not knowing if you would accept my invitation, because you were the first guy to let me bounce some ideas off you about five years ago. And you gave me some questions and guided me and never gave up on a guy who had a vision to begin a new men's ministry. So thank oh, you, Kenny. Chris. Chris, this is uh, this is uh, an answer to prayer. Uh, the audience needs to know we're longtime <laughs> friends, first time podcast. For a long time, first time. Long time, first time. Long time friends, yeah. first time podcast. But that's that's the thing when God births a vision inside of a man's heart to be some somebody or to do something for good. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit, and a lot of times we don't have the courage, but you have, Chris, and I'm so proud and honored to be your first guest. Well, I am I am delighted. And you said two to use two words that I want we're going to talk about today. One is good because I was at the inaugural Dangerous Good event in Downey. It was it was a Downey before COVID? Yeah, yeah it was in Downey. And mm -hmm. it was exciting. I sat second row and I just took copious notes and I thought this is in the in the Dangerous Good movement launch, which we'll come back to. But also um the importance of having men in your life and believe that there is something that God can do. You know, I, one of the things I, that Sword and Shovel is about is reminding men that our best days are not behind us, they're in front of us. And I think that men struggle so often with whether, whether it was college days or when I started the business or when I when I was running my uh, my own operation, those were the, those were the good old days. And I, I think that we believe, we have to believe by faith that the best days are always now and tomorrow, not yesterday. Yeah, one of the things I'm discovering, especially with men, um, leading um, business leaders in particular in uh, retreat cohorts is yeah. uh, is the transition to the second half. You right. know, halves are necessary mm -hmm. where you discover who you are, what you're good at, natural gift sets. You build kind of a platform for your life. You get married, you have kids, um, you pursue your career, you develop a certain set of skills, marketable skills. Maybe you even achieve some success and achieve achieve some goals and then most of the time something happens to you or something comes into your life that you wouldn't have scripted in mm -hmm. and then kind of kicks you out the door into the second half where really i believe god's fullest intentions mm. uh, building upon that first half but the lexicon and the modus operandi for the first half is out wow and you start becoming new and you begin to enter into this, this second journey. And I think a lot of guys, they really fear that. They fear losing the comfort of the first half, the, the identity of the first half. But it's actually just God's spirit and God's plan calling you to become the fullest representation of Christ possible. But mm -hmm. you can't do that. A lot of guys won't choose that mm -hmm. if you proactively pursue it. And then something happens, a shift in career, a job loss, mm. a pastor uh, leaves a church. And Jesus just says, let's go to the other side. And he doesn't say, and when we get there, this and this and this and this is going to happen. Right. He just says, let's go to the other side. You got to just trust that, get in the boat and just trust that I'm in it with you because I get the pleasure and I get the joy of showing you what's next. And it's really a faith stretcher where people really now, given the gift of desperation, yes, trust Christ. 
Amen. The blessed gift of desperation. So you, let's imagine you're talking to a, you've got a retreat full of 35 year old men at Forest Home. Yeah. And how do you get them to understand what you just said? Look, there's going to be a divine interruption in your life that, that isn't, that you didn't see coming, you didn't plan for it, but it's going to be so important that you navigate that transition and that interruption well, because the next half of your life is going to be as significant as the first half, if not more. Yeah, uh, usually, uh, you know, the arc of a conversation like that uh, starts with some fundamental principles and truths, which which guys intuitively know, which mm. is, you know, you can't become the man you need to be by remaining who you are. Mm, right? um, and then and then on the nature of God and that, that God's God's got a plan and um, he has the freedom and liberty uh, to move you into that plan, which might not be your plan. You know, um, he's planted a couple of things in every man and a desire to be great and do great things. And that's universal. That's mm -hmm, that's the mm -hmm. ethos of what it means, uh, I think, to be a man and to be created in the image of God, because he yes. has a vision for greatness inside you mm. that then gets expressed outside of you when your right. insights come out. And so you kind of have these general lanes you swim in where you speak into the hearts of men and just say, you're created by God, you're created for God. One day you're going to go to him, but in between now and then, it's his plan. <laughs> and we need to soften it. That's why it's yeah. vine and branch, potter and clay, yeah. shepherd and sheep, creator and creator. And where we get tripped up is when we we put ourselves in the A position, right? put God in the B position, and then he lets us borrow trouble mm. by taking on things which our shoulders and limited um, minds and capacities should have no business to take on. Mm -hmm. Then we get to, you know, that place of surrender again, where we go, oh yeah, that's right. You're the vine, I'm the branch. You're right. the shepherd, I'm the sheep. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Now we can move forward. And so it's really about identity, identity in God. What does that look like? What does relationship with God look like? And who's who? And yes. when you understand who is who in the relationship, then you can work together. If yeah. you don't, if you have an improper vision of who God is or who and who you are, uh, you're gonna you're gonna borrow some trouble. So we need to define the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's throughout the Bible. I think uh, the scripture is uh, crystal clear. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, it's in our nature, and there is spiritual warfare that um, wants to displace God and His sovereign wow. sovereign rule and reign in our lives with us. I mean, that's Satan. He said, "I want to be like the Most High." And so when you get down to the bottom line of spiritual warfare, it's believing lies where you um, where you displace God and you become God yourself. And if you mm -hmm. love God, he'll he'll let you know that right. you're not him. I love you're touching on so many of what I would consider Kenny Luck themes in this in what you just said. Um, the dangerous good spiritual warfare, the Holy Spirit's role, man's identity. Uh, let me talk about your last three books. Yeah. I think about fail safe as the book that men need to have to remind them that we're not defined by our success, but that, but that acceptance and grace is a part of the Christian experience as a man, what you're doing with these retreats, giving men a place to unpack where they're not defined by their resume or their last sale or their last, you know, achievement, dangerous. Good to me is a book about courage. 
It's about believing that that story that is in our hearts is still being written, that we we were created for bigger things. Um, and then lastly, the latest book, Overflow, is, you know, since I've known you, you have this complexity of conservatively, theologically conservative, biblically robust, and then a big view of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times you have you have two, but not three of those. You're you've really been pushing and diving and emphasizing the role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of men. Tell yeah. tell me tell us more about that. Yeah, well, in Luke four, when Jesus says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He's anointed me to preach," you know, right? Uh, preach the gospel to the poor, sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed, um, yeah. release to the captives. Yeah. Um, what we have to remember is, is that the Bible teaches that when a person says yes to the person and work of Christ, the Bible says that God pours the spirit of his son into our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so a simple translation of that functionally, if you're, if you're functional theologically, you will then enter into, well, what's the mission when the Holy Spirit is poured into my heart? Yeah. Well, it's to make me like, like, like that guy. Right, right. You said the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor side to the blind, release to the oppressed, freedom to the captive, you know, to, to deliver God's love and justice, mm -hmm. Jesus, the man Amen. of justice. And then you see it played out in his life where he just broke all the rules of the broken male culture of his time, you know, that thought, thank God I'm not a kid. Uh, thank God I'm not a woman. Thank God I'm mm -hmm. not a Kyle, you right. know, what did Jesus immediately start doing in the power of the Holy Spirit? Mm. He starts blessing and touching children and saying, let them come. He starts defending and protecting women. He starts telling parables about the good Samaritan, you know, those muggle bloods who have no place in God's true kingdom. And he just starts taking, I mean, he takes no prisoners, you mm. know, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if that's Jesus, yes. And Jesus is in me. Yes. This is me. Right. At least that's the end game of the Holy Spirit, to make me like this Jesus who had the spirit of the Lord upon him, anointing him to bring God's love and justice and mm. good news to people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a, that's a boiled down, distilled, layman's, you know, calculation of... Right. Just what happens when I make a decision for Christ? His spirit comes inside of me. What is the end game of the Holy Spirit inside me? It's to make me like Jesus, Romans 8, 29, Colossians 3, 17 and 18. Um, it's to conform me to the image of the Son. God wants yes. us to have the family resemblance. Jesus is the blueprint. Amen. And so when you when you boil discipleship down to that. Yes, then that's why I wrote Dangerous Good, Fail Safe, and Overflow, because Dangerous Good is about living out your truest identity, which is which is my identity in Christ, which is a courageous one. It's a rule-breaking one. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. He was dangerous with goodness. Fail Safe is about the inner security with which Jesus lived in the Father's love. Mm -hmm. And so we then now learn, like Jesus did, this is my son, whom I love in whom I am well pleased, Matthew 3. And then he goes on now into public ministry, mm. living out of that love, doing dangerous and courageous things. And then he reproduces himself in, in the disciples, who their gift 
was to set the Holy Spirit loose yes. in their lives and through their lives in the city of Jerusalem. And so, you know, there's the model of Jesus. There is the model of the disciples imitating Jesus, becoming like him, mm. and then living it out where they lived, worked, prayed, and played. And so that's the idea behind the trilogy. That's the dangerous good movement. Men who know who they are, so they know what to do. Men who are secure on the inside and in the inner man, like Paul prays, I pray that you would know the high depth width of God's love in your inner, inner man. Be strengthened with power Amen. in your inner man. That's the power. Yeah. Be secure in love emotionally. That's how you grow up and are free to serve other people without selfish motives. Mm. And then seeing your identities, as Jesus said, you're yeah. salt, you're light, you're a fragrance of Christ. And so it's a kind of a domino. It's a waterfall of identity, inner security through God's love and influence. That's mm -hmm. the dangerous good movement. I love it. Identity influence. I love that. You know, it, it, if you think about the apostle Peter, you've just described Peter pre-Pentecost and post-Pentecost, right? Because every man, many ways, Peter is every man. He, he means well, he's got ideas, he's got intentions, he's eager, he wants to please, he's been overlooked by others. He's when Jesus meets him, he's a fisherman. He was probably not called on to follow the rabbis of his day. He's resigned himself to a mediocre life. Then Jesus calls him. And then when Jesus fills him, he becomes this man you're talking about. And I yeah. wonder how many times we've had yeah. men come to the altar, receive Jesus Christ and think my life's over. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to live this boring life. And, and it's, it's kind of mundane, but I get to go to heaven. And what you're saying is, no, life is just starting. The adventure is oh, really yeah. its beginning. Oh, yeah. I just I just did a series um, called I'm, I'm going to do a new series. Sorry. I did it at a retreat to sort of guinea pig it out um, with the church here locally in San Clemente. It's called The Next Adventure. Mm. And um, it's the premise of it is when Jesus says all these men are on the shoreline. Right. And he says, let's go to the other side in Mark four. But he doesn't say where he's taking them. He's just mm. like, you're with me. You got to trust me. Get in the boat. And then the guys that got in the boat, man, they they pretty much regretted getting in the boat after they got into the boat. <laughs> That's great. But but then they then they didn't regret it because then they saw the creator of the universe say words that wow. made all those big waves hitting the bow of the boat stop mm. immediately. Now, all those guys who stayed on the shoreline, they didn't get to see that. Mm. Those guys who stayed on the shoreline didn't get to see then they landed in Capernaum and they saw Jesus take authority over the devil. Mm. And demons. Then they saw Jesus get in the back in the boat and go feed 5,000 people with a couple loaves and fish. And they saw, got to see all these things. You know what? I would hate to be those guys two, three years later where they're still where they were on the right. shore. And then they see one of those guys who got in the boat and they're like, Hey, yeah, I remember you, 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 you got in the boat with, with, with that guy from Nazareth, like Love what it. happened? And then they hear this, you are not going to believe what happened next. <laughs> you got in the boat. Yeah, and, and that poor guy who stayed on the shore, you know, the Christian life was never meant to be safe. In fact, there's no such thing as a safe Christian life. And that's what wow. Jesus was trying to get across so many times in the Gospels when he would say things, you know, the person who seeks to save their life, they lose it. Mm. The person who loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will find true life. So we're always on that shoreline in different phases and seasons yes. of our life where Jesus is going, sorry, I'm not going to give you the crystal ball. 
I'm not giving you foresight. Mm. I'm asking you to trust me, get in. And then your hindsight after you trust me mm. is going to build a spine in you where your trust is going to grow deeper. Your wow. integrity is going to grow deeper. And so that's the adventure of knowing Christ is that he's going to take you places you've never been before. You're going to feel things you've never felt before. You're going to do things you never thought you were going to do before, but you do. There is this tension which Satan exploits of fearing losing control. The question is, who am I giving control over Amen. to? That's good. Right? And so I trust Jesus. I trust the guy who stretched his arms out and took nails and bled from seven places for me. That's mm. the one person that every man can trust. Love that. So let's go backwards. Tell tell us about your early influences because you, you know, how, how did you get to this place where, where you become – Kenny Luck, and who I think of as one of the pastors of men's ministry on my Mount Rushmore, along with Robert Lewis and maybe Jack Hayford, who influenced you as a young man? And were there some defining moments on the journey where you knew that God was taking you into the boat? You know, trailheads that pointed you this way. That So just if you wouldn't mind, give us a little bit of like, how did Kenny Luck get to this place? Yeah, I think I think we're the the the, the substance of who we are today is um the sum of the relational models um that we have that's that can be good and bad because mm -hmm, men are good mm -hmm. and bad families are good and bad people right. are good and bad chris chris is good and bad and so is kenny but um i upon believing in christ you know i had models from the get go right out of the box where you know when jesus um talks about iron sharpening iron you know it's it, it's 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 not two swords coming together it's really you know something that's sharper shaping the metal you know in modern terms for all our hunters out there it's aluminum oxide or diamond plated steel that's the components of a sharpening stone hmm. and uh, in medieval times they would put up blades against a sharpening stone and it would shape and form you know the blade into what it is so that it could perform right in battle um, and so men next to us, close enough, spending time with us, talking with us, opening God's word. I mean, Matt Booker had a love for evangelism that shaped my life early on. He's my first Bible study leader. JP Jones had a love for the word of God. Josh McDowell was my first boss out of college, a defender of the faith, apologetics. Um, you know, Steve Arterburn, John Townsend, Henry Cloud, you know, the theology of emotions, mm. how grace and truth heal people, working with those guys wow. for a decade, starting the Every Man's Battle Workshop, struggling mm -hmm. with, with sexual integrity myself as a Christian, working through that, being in a place with other guys. Rick Warren, a man uh, who was my pastor, right, for, for 25 years, and just the vision and faith, and really just taking a learning posture um, in each of those relationships that God intentionally brought those men with those gifts um, into my life to help make me who I am, to shape my thinking, mm -hmm. to show me what it looks like in real time. You see, because men learn by seeing it. It mm -hmm. has to be modeled. And when we see something modeled that's attractive, that is right, that is righteous, that is strong, that is loving, that is compassionate, that's 
um, biblical. You know, I'm like a magnet to to any person. I don't care who they are, man or woman, mm-hmm. who is is really growing in God, is spiritually gifted, and is exercising their gift. I can learn from that person, and so I feel like I am who I am because of Jesus Christ and and brothers who He has sent into my life intentionally to help sharpen the blade so that I can be with Chris on on the on the podcast today and say anything of value. Mm, wow! So I love what I'm imagining is that part of this is the positioning yourself as a young man as much as you can around around men that you want to learn from. And part of this is having eyes as an older man to see that younger man. Yes. And, and so would you talk to the older men for a mm-hmm. moment about recognizing the, the, the Joshua's and would you talk yeah. to the, to the Moseses for a moment about, Hey, you know, I mean, the Joshua's about how to pursue a Moses, because I, yeah. I know that this is my heartbeat and yours is connecting generations. How yes. can we help young yeah. men see that? And how can we help older men have the courage to invest in the younger men? Yeah, I think I think we, we start with Jesus. And certainly in the Bible, you know, you see Elijah and Elisha, you mm-hmm. see Moses and Joshua, you, you know, you see Aaron and Moses, you know, you you see these relationships, you see David and Jonathan, you see, mm-hmm. you know, Paul and Timothy, and, and you see this principle in there. Uh, and starting with Jesus, where it's just, you know, follow me, come with me. Um, and, and, you know, when Jesus first recruited men in John chapter one, he's just like, come stay with me. John, 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 the Baptist's disciples were like kind of following at a distance because John said, there he is. There's your guy. That's the one. Right. So they're walking 20 yards behind him and Jesus just turns around. He says, what do you want? <laughs> and, they said, and he said, come stay with me. Yeah. I think the principle is, is there is in Jesus where, where men are really looking for models. They do want to become great. They want to do great things, but they need models. And Jesus is like, I'll show you. Mm. You know, come and stay with me. And and I think all older men have to understand that, you know, in that scenario, Jesus um, had the hindsight and the foresight. You know, young men don't have they have they, they all they have uh, is is they, they have hope. They don't have a crystal ball. They don't have foresight. Older men have hindsight. <laughs> right. And hindsight's 2020. You have clarity. Right. right. And so there are some things now if. If you see a young man and you identify some real potential, you know, and every human has potential, God made every human with potential. So everybody, every younger man has potential, you know, you have lessons that they don't need to repeat. Mm -hmm. You know, you can shorten the pain, you can save them the pain. It requires humility on their part. So for younger men, you need older men who, who have that experience and who have that hindsight. And there is so much to gain and so much pain to save from their life experience and their hindsight in God, in relationships, in marriage, in business, in every dimension uh, of life. And as older men, we undervalue the hindsight that we have. You know so much. You've you've succeeded. You failed. You've been stuck. You've gotten out of it. You have life lessons. You've been married a long time. You raise children. You, you know, and there is... Um, there is a lifestyle and there are disciplines to that lifestyle, which enabled you 
uh, to get through it and to be where you are now that mm -hmm. someone underneath you mm -hmm. could really benefit from. And yeah. especially in the spiritual uh, dimension, and it's, it's not hubris, it's not cockiness, it's mm -hmm. just, I've lived longer. Right. That's it. Hmm. When you think about the young men that you must, you know, encounter all the time yeah. at conferences and different places yeah. you go, what what is it that you're looking for? Because you, you know, like all men and all of us, we've got limited time and resources, but there's times yeah. when there's something that clicks for you. Yeah. Like, is there something that you pick up on that you, that you say, that's a guy I want to spend more time with? Yeah, it's um, it's really just, it's not gifting. It, it's not performance. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, it's not numbers. It's, mm. uh, it's, 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 it's if he's good clay, you know, when, mm. you know, if he's moldable, if he's, you know, you think about when God says, I'm the potter and you're the clay. And then he takes, um, you know, he takes Jeremiah down to the potter's house and he lets him watch a potter and the potter is spinning pottery and there's marred parts. Mm -hmm. And he says, I can, I can watch what I do. I, I can take the marred parts and I can refashion this, this, this potted thing and the marred part can be reintegrated in. And, and so there's a couple of things, you know, in that is what makes good clay, right? Because God's the potter, we're the clay. And I think, you know, humility, teachability, flexibility, those are all, you know, yeah. you know, you're never, that's what I'm looking for. No, and I love that. I'm also looking for um, some, some authenticity with mm. respect to life. Um, you know, is, 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 a, is a young man honest with God, honest with himself and honest with me about him? Mm. Is he secure enough on the inside to just say, Hey, I don't know it all. Or, you know what? I failed here or yeah. I really blew it, you know, right there. Or man, I just, this was a really hard capital T trauma that happened. Mm -hmm. Or is he hiding, mm. you know, because if you promote a person uh, and you take a person along the discipleship pathway who has unresolved and unprocessed issues that they're afraid to talk about and they're living in fear and that you're, you're dealing with this imposter. That's like, that's like mentoring a roadside bomb, right? It's going to go off later down the road because the issues weren't addressed Op on the opposite scenario. If you're dealing with someone who's able to be honest with God, honest with themselves mm -hmm. about the realities of who they are, what they've been through, where they're at right now, and honest with you about um, who they are, where they've been, what's happened, what they're good at, what they're not so great at. Man, that's the person that you want because that's clay that's shapeable into something really beautiful. And God gives us the privilege to participate in that process that he's doing with that person. And that's good news for any man that's listening who's saying, how do I get around a Kenny or another leader that I want to learn from? is are you teachable you know do you do you, are you looking to be, have your your potential affirmed or are you looking to come in and grow and say hey where are my blind spots and where's my character development that, that needs to continue and how do i grow and uh, am i willing to take direct to take direction from from a mentor as opposed to looking just to have all of us affirmed for what we already have i'm i'm thinking about the the proverbs 24:16 that says though the righteous fall they get up again yeah, love and it. and part of right. our commitment as sword and shovel is to rebuild men. Yeah, is just that. So talk about yeah. if you wouldn't mind how do how do 
how do men get up again? How how do not not so much how do the righteous fall, which is another question, but but how do the righteous <coughs> get up again? What are some of the elements in your experience, Kenny, of of men being restored, getting back up, getting back in the game, getting back in the fight? Yeah. Um, by the way, that's one of my life verses. Is that um, right? Yeah, yeah. Proverbs 24, 16, the righteous man falls seven times but rises again. I always would tell myself, Kenny, God. This is what God's mind is. Mm. You, um, He expects you to stumble, mm. but, but rising makes the man. Yes, you know if if you see an Instagram reel or a Facebook reel of somebody falling down in a race and and getting up and even running past the field to win it, I mean, that's the pleasure of God. The pleasure that we feel seeing someone get up again, because the issue is not are we going to stumble. The issue is are we going to get up. Mm. And are we gonna get back on that bike and are we going to start pedaling again after after just deep disappointment uh intense failure um letdowns losses uh trauma where it could have the potential to sour us uh to to the process that can god redeem you know what i'm what i've been through what i chose to do what mm -hmm you know, to turn my back on the Lord. And, you know, um, and the answer is absolutely yes. You know, there was Judas and there was Peter. Mm. And, uh, and one man was, it, it, it wasn't redeemable because he believed a lie and he, he thought he was unredeemable and he mm. believed that lie that Satan said, you know, you're not redeemable. How can you? And then there was another guy who betrayed Jesus who just kind of, was in a malaise like mm -hmm. some of our listeners are in right now mm -hmm. um our watchers there they're just in a malaise they're just they're just like man i'm confused i made a choice it wasn't a good one now i'm paying the price and mm -hmm. i'm in this i'm in this place and that was peter when he was just he went back to fishing and he's just kind of struggling through it and and guess who gets re-recruited re, re right uh, peter right. gets re-recruited after a tremendous uh, betrayal because he didn't give in to the lie somehow by God's grace he's his heart's still beating mm. and he's still hanging on to this hope in his in his Jesus yes. he knows it's there he's just he's just in the cloud he has no clarity right and then he hears this voice hey you know pitch it over the other side you know and it's just a hilarious comedy you know it's just like hey we've been out here all night you know haven't caught a thing yeah why don't you throw the other side you know, like take a risk, you know, take a risk. Why don't you do what I tell you to do? And I think that's part of the process of kind of getting back up is risking belief in what God says is true and what God says and abandoning what your feelings mm -hmm. are saying is true and then take the next right action in yes. faith. You know, like for, you know, I've blown it so many times, Chris, you know, I, I, you know, good intentions, failure, guilt, good intentions, right. failure, guilt. Mm. And, you know, just as long as I was working God's process and uh, God's process and all that, he's like, yeah, I knew you were going to view it. I, I knew you were going to blow it. You know, here, you're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Quit trying to perform your way, you know, into this relationship. How about, you know, we just admit to yourself, to me, and maybe right. to another guy what's yes. going on and watch what happens. Okay. Yes. yes. And start there. I think that's always the first step is just honesty with God, 
honesty with yourself. Like, this is the reality now. I did make that choice. This mm -hmm. is part of my life. This is a part of my decision-making history. This is now the consequences are a part of my life. That's, yes. that's reality because God's in truth and reality and can work with someone in truth and reality. He can't work with someone who's living in deception and fantasy, denying the things that they've done or trying to defend the things that they've done. Yes. God can work with a broken and contrite heart. And so, you know, go read Psalm 51. Yes. Go see a guy who was, man, I mean, if you think, well, it's not redeemable, um, just watch what he does. He asks for God to do two things, to restore spiritual purity, mm -hmm. wash me, cleanse me, purify me. But then he makes a second request, which is different from the first. He says, create mm. in me a clean heart. The, the word that he uses, create in me, is ex is is ex nihilo it's it's i create out of nothing he's mm -hmm. asking for god to give him the new heart that he wow. needs wow. to sustain a character and a person that's not there now mm. so he's saying wow call into being a heart that does not exist presently amen so that i can have spiritual integrity because he says create what create in me a clean heart it means that a heart that is undivided between between what he believes and how he actually lives. And so, you know, when we read Psalm 51, we see the model uh, for how to come back. Yes. You know, yeah, you need cleansing. God's ready to cleanse you. You know, he's ready to cleanse you of anything that you've done, but you just got to be honest with him, honest with yourself and honest with another brother. Yes. In the Lord, James 5, 19, then ask for God to cleanse you. He promises to do it and it's yours. If you just, you're honest about what's happened. Then secondly, ask God to create ex nihilo, a clean heart, one that has integrity, one that only he can create mm. through his power. Yeah. And it, it's really cool what God will do. But, you know, I think um, a broken and contrite heart, an honest one is one God that can all, you know, one God can work with. It's the, it's the self-deceived. Yes. Heart, the well, denying heart that he he can't. So that's how you get back. Think about, you know, like it's verse 13 that says, then, right, I will teach sinners. And, you know, it's been nine years for me since I resigned uh, from nine years, almost exactly since I wow. resigned from the church that I was pastoring because of my sin. Yeah. I disqualified myself. And, and it's been a journey of learning to accept direction from others yeah. To to confess to God and another human being the exact nature of my sin, my wrongs, right. to to read Psalm 51 with new eyes. Yeah. And and then, you know, you come to the verses 10, 11, and 12, which you're talking about, Kenny, and Dang. we're asking God to do for ourselves for us what we can't do for ourselves, right? right? I can't give myself, I can't restore my the joy of his salvation. I can't make my heart right. I can't do these things. I'm asking God to do the things I can't do. But Thinking about the some of the more visible pastors that you and I have seen fall yeah. recently, I don't feel like they've done the work in verses one through twelve to get to verse thirteen. They're yeah. they're wanting to get back into the pulpit without without doing the work that David is asking. One yeah. admitting and confessing sin yeah. against yeah. you and you only have I sinned. Right. There are other people who have been hurt for sure, but this this process has a shift after we've asked God to do something out of nothing, then, but not before then, will I teach sinners your ways? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I love it. Um, yeah, that that is it, it. It's long, not short. You know, there's no. no such thing as quick and quality. And, uh, you know, quick and quality is an oxymoron. And it's true in the spiritual process. That's why, you know, God is man. Man is always about the product and mm -hmm. God about the process. You mm -hmm. know, when he begins a good work in you, he's faithful to complete it. Yes. But, you know, you're a workmanship and workmanships do not come about quickly. Um, and, and that's the whole thing. Um, character, uh, is, you know, people don't fall into sin overnight, but somehow they expect to come out of sin in their character Interesting. Interesting. and they're deluded. Um, because that, that is a process that's putting yourself on the potter's wheel. Yeah. You know, that, that is about self-examination. That's about search me. Oh God, know my heart, you know, uh, see if there's any hurtful way. Yeah. Um, but the problem is in, in the journey, especially for leaders who who find themselves in that situation, is that their identity is so tied to who they were mm -hmm. that they can't let go of of that identity. And so they start living out of uh, out of their persona. Right. Okay. So they, they've created a persona, which um, in the original language is 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 a disguise. It's a mask. Um, it's not the true true man that God's calling out. Mm. Uh, it's not his truest intention. And so, um, but they're more comfortable. That's what they know. Right. We always gravitate to what we know and what we comfortable, we're comfortable with. But what we know and what we're comfortable with, the neuroscience of that. Interesting. Is that we fall into these, these, these pathways of thinking that are very well developed. And right. the event is intended to disrupt. Right. Right. And to shake up those deep rooted, um, you know, neurodensities, what the Bible would call a stronghold uh, in someone's mind. And God allowed it for that purpose. Like, I don't want you to think of yourself the same way. I don't want you to think of me the same way. I don't want you to. And I, I'm building something new, but it's so it's so much easier emotionally. Hmm to to not do the work and to not look in the mirror and to walk away from what you see because we feel and sense the consequences of what we've done which is God allowing us to see something's up yes a, a dashboard light has come on check engine let's bring it into the shop this is not a brake job right this is a complete overhaul yeah transmission of, of your inner man and unless you deal with the driving forces mm -hmm. that, that brought you to that, that place where you felt compelled, like, you know, I'm going to believe this lie and I'm going to behave out of that lie. What the driving forces were that sabotaged your best intentions. Yeah. It's just going to happen again. Right. The neuroplasticity, like you're talking about, that God wants to, who would have thought that God would have? Yeah, you know, that God knew well before we understood this idea of having these thought patterns that are established and yep. rooted. And, and I can't change all these books on habits, right? We're trying to find a way. But yeah. here's God saying, I can do something out of nothing, right? I can yes. turn hearts of stone to flesh, That's right? Yep. So last couple yep. of thoughts or questions, Kenny, before you got to run. Um, I love the story of the of the friends that lower the, the man through the roof, right? Yeah. So he, he doesn't seem to have any faith. Um, right. He doesn't contribute to the healing at all. Right. And Jesus says, on behalf of your faith, this man's this man's healed. His sins are forgiven. And right. talk about the 
talk about talk to the men who are listening that have a friend who is in a bad place but are wondering how do I get how do I help that guy get back how do I help him get off the ground because the righteous get up again and part of it I think has to include some brothers yeah it's that that story also Chris another you know I mean it's it's just so deeply embedded in my heart and what's mm. so great is the love yes of his friends i mean you know they carry him yeah they dismantle a roof yeah who's they, gonna pay for that roof they, they bring him to the feet of the one who could do for their friend what they couldn't do amen and it's just all there. And, um, you know, what we see is biblical love. Mm. We see that there was a cost. There was a physical cost. There was an emotional cost. They had to weather the disbelief of a guy who was paralyzed. And, mm. you know, it, you know what, what can this guy do for me? I've been this way my whole life. And I'm, I'm irredeemable. Um, and then the cost, you know, of their, you know, clawing through the roof, but that, that cost and that sacrifice was faith. Jesus yeah. was adding it all up. The physical energy they put toward that man, the, the emotional energy they put toward that man, the willingness to tear down an obstacle yeah. uh, for that man to get him. Here's the end game in front of the one and with and in the presence of the one who could do for him Amen. what he couldn't do. So there's this cool partnership. And so if you see a guy who his, he has that stinking thinking that, that it, this is fatal, this is final, I'm irredeemable. What I've done is, is irredeemable, especially if he's a brother, two things. One is you're going to pay a price to uh, do for that man what the friends of the paralytic did. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're going to carry him. Yeah. If he doesn't have the energy, he's going to borrow some of your energy. That's right. He doesn't know where to be taken. You're going to yeah. take him. Amen. He doesn't know what to pray. You're going to pray with and over That's right. you know, and for him. And you're going to pay a price to bring him into the presence and space of the one that can do for him what you can't do and what he can't do yeah. for himself in the presence of Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter what the friend's going through. It doesn't matter if they have a, a sexual identity struggle. It doesn't matter if they have a pornography struggle. It doesn't matter if they have a divorce struggle, mm -hmm. relational struggle, professional struggle, you name the struggle, but they feel unredeemable and paralyzed. Good news. You bring them, you do whatever it takes. Love it. To bring so them good. to Jesus. Do whatever it takes to bring them to the feet, believing that there's someone who can do something that no one else can do. Amen. Last question. Uh, we mentioned before we got started here that uh, you enjoy a good bourbon and a good cigar. I do. If you, if you could have a good bourbon and a good cigar with a couple of guys, a couple of men through history you've never met before, oh, biblical, God. presidential, just give, me, just give me a couple of men you'd like to sit down and have a good it's long or not Jesus. And not Jesus and not Paul and not Moses. Anybody else, president, presidents, historical figures, who would you like to have a bourbon and cigar with? Oh, my gosh. Well, number one would be Winston Churchill. Mm. You know, I'm a I'm a big Winston Churchill guy. Sure. And uh, just as a leader, 
a guy with a sense of destiny, mm. uh, just a brilliant guy who saw so much and he didn't know it, but he saw the future. Yeah. Time, you know, he told people, I'm going to be the leader of this country and I'm going to save it. Mm. At 14, he said that. Wow. You know, That's huge. Um, gosh, certainly Martin Luther. Mm. Uh, you know, um, I've read both their biographies. If you haven't read the biography of Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas, it's a must read. If you haven't read Winston Churchill's biography by Robert Crawford, that's a must read. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely, um, in terms of presidents, um, would be Abraham Lincoln and George Washington for sure. Mm -hmm. I would want to. I would want to sit down. There's so many people. Teddy Roosevelt might enjoy a good cigar. Yeah, I, I, I would want to sit down with uh, Martin Luther King. Yeah. Uh, just you know, to to understand a Frederick Douglass. I mean, yeah. And if I could have a room with Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King Jr., Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, the Apostle Paul, that'd be amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, that you know and we're gonna be brothers forever you know in heaven with Amen. some of most of those guys yeah and um Wil wilberforce oh my gosh exactly lord you know and just see here's the thing these guys committed to things the fruit of which they would never see yeah 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 hebrews right yeah they committed you know they did things uh that they were put on earth to do and that's that's really kind of what I'm all about. I know that I'm born in a certain time in a certain part of the planet. Yep. Certain relationships by God's design, location, intention um, to, to, to move those environments, those people, those situations toward him and his son and his purposes. Amen. What a tremendous privilege that is. Yeah. Kenny Luck, Everyman Ministries, thank you for being my first guest on the Sword and Shovel podcast. I look forward to having you back as this thing gets off the ground and moves forward. And, and it's been an honor to be with you and so many great takeaways. Thank you for your time. No problem, Chris. Love it. All right. God bless you, my friend. God bless you.